Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's the Afternoon Underdogs on Cards Radio 790 KRD. Now, here's Tony Vanetti and Dave Jennings. Oh, just half of the semi-dynamic duo as Vanetti is on vacation. Dave Jennings with you right here on 790 KRD, the Afternoon Underdogs 2.0, delivered by Papa John's Pizza, contact-free delivery. Go online, papajohns.com. I highly recommend the chicken wings and, of course, the pizza, but you knew that, and they also have dessert. Obviously, we're doing sports shows without sports. We're going to do our best to cobble together a really good NFL preview segment today. A lot of serious stuff to get to that has dominated the news, and it will today. But one thing that struck me, today is a very special anniversary. It was a somber day, and most people haven't even mentioned it today, but I shall. It was on this day four years ago, June the 3rd, 2016, when maybe the greatest sports figure of our or any lifetime passed away. And he happened to be from right here in Louisville, Kentucky. Muhammad Ali took his last breath four years ago today. The three-time world heavyweight champ, one of the most iconic personalities. My story here says the 20th century, but I'm sorry, of all time. Maybe there was some Greco-Roman wrestler back in ancient Greece that was something similar. But I don't know. He didn't have a social media account, did he? After all, interview with TMZ Sports, Kalila, one of Ali's former wives, said the boxer would stand by the protest, but he would not support the looting and the vandalism. She said, quote, he would flip his switch and would go off on looters and people burning businesses. Quote, I know that Ali would retaliate. He would really go off on people, and I would love to see him romp and rave over these people, hurting people and burning up our businesses and hurting folks in the streets and burning up police cars. So there you go. What did not surprise me. And by the way, anybody who watched Criminal Minds, So Criminal Minds is a pretty good show we've gotten into. We've gotten through five or six seasons so far. There's like 14 or 15 of them. But they always try to feature these little quotable quotes that's sort of going to sum up the episode. And most of them, even the people you've heard of, they're like, that's kind of dumb. They ought to quote Ali. Some of his most inspirational quotes you, of course, have heard, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. That was how he chose to fight. Impossible is temporary. Impossible is nothing. Don't count the days, make the days count. That's better than anything on Criminal Minds so far. Speaking of minds, quote from Ali, if my mind can conceive it, if my heart can believe it, then I can achieve it. Quote, it isn't the mountains ahead to climb that wear you out, it's the pebble in your shoe. He who is not courageous enough to take risks will accomplish nothing in life. Quote, a man who has no imagination has no wings. And perhaps most important today, hating people because of their color is wrong. And it doesn't matter which color does the hating. It's just plain wrong. And then not too long after today, four years ago, we had the amazing scene with Ali's casket going through town and people of all shapes, sizes, walks of life, genders, colors of skin, all came together and honored 
one of the most beloved people in the history of our planet, and did so peacefully. Hopefully we get back to that point at some point in the not-too-distant future. Rest in peace, champ. Four years ago today, we lost him. A couple of other news stories before we get to Billy Prickett. The NBA's Board of Governors has a press conference set for tomorrow. Probably a call because you can't get too close to each other until you play. The intention is approving their plan for a 22-team return to Orlando, Florida. This according to ESPN. Each of the 22 teams will play eight regular season games for seeding purposes for the playoffs. So joining the 16 current playoff teams, so those that have a shot that aren't in now, the Pelicans, Blazers, Suns, Kings, Spurs, those all from the Western Conference, and the Wizards in the East. So if the nine seed is more than four games behind, the eight seed will make the conference playoffs. If the nine is less than four back, there'll be a play-in tournament. We'll see how that all works out. And one other note, College Football Hall of Famer Johnny Majors passed away. He was a Pitt and Tennessee coach, died at the age of 85. He led Pitt to an undefeated national championship season in 1976. Johnny Majors dead at the age of 85. We turn now to one of our under puppies, that is Billy Prickett, who loves the NFL as much as I do and is dying for some sort of actual sports to hit the airwaves. Billy Prickett, how are you today? I'm doing well. Uh, you brought up, you know, Muhammad Ali is the four-year uh, anniversary of his passing. And, you know, obviously he was su- such a worldwide figure, but we all know how much he meant to Louisville in this community. And it actually uh, reminded me that uh, on the day of his passing, you know, he lived he lived in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Right. And uh, passed away at a, at a hospital uh, down there. And it was crazy because I was, I was literally on a family vacation in Phoenix the day of his passing. I, the hotel we stayed at was probably mo- just miles away uh, from the hospital. So it was just, it was pretty ironic that, you know, I come in, you know, went to college in Louisville and been in Louisville for a while now. And obviously, like I said, he's been such a, a huge figure in this community. And then to be in the same city of where he passed away, you know, the first time ever being in Phoenix, it was just, uh, it was just pretty uh, uncanny. So for your generation, I'm kind of curious, for my parents' generation, people recall where they were when they heard about President Kennedy. For people my age, you remember President Reagan probably from 1980 when he was shot, the Princess Diana crash. For some reason, you just sort of, you hear about it. Kobe Bryant, maybe for you guys, I know where I was then. Was was this one of those moments, too, with Ali? It, it really was, and it probably wasn't for many people across the world i know he was a, a very prominent figure obviously uh, but but especially in in our community in Louisville, i think that everybody would will remember that day and where they were and and like you said for for my generation you know i'm i'm about to turn 23 on monday um i think the big one for us would be kobe bryant some yep. people in my generation would say 911 uh but i don't i don't really remember it all that much i remember very few bits and pieces uh but kobe bryant was definitely uh, one of those days where you remember exactly where you were for, for the rest of your life when you heard that news. And then the funeral day with, with the, you know, the town being closed down, I was squeezing in a lunch with my sister at Chili's over there in Butchel, and the, the caravan wasn't too far away. And people were scrambling from all over the world to get a hold of somebody in Louisville Media. So I walked out of the restaurant, and I did an interview with the BBC. It was kind of strange. I don't know. It's just kind of yeah. fun. It's kind of fun to be to be called on for some of that stuff and somber circumstances, of course. But so, Billy, uh, the NFL. I'm looking forward to this. Um, it didn't end on a, on a great note for me and my Green Bay Packers, but I want to kind of go through the season a little bit. You've taken the task and you've gone to the trouble of actually playing out the season 
and predicting wins, losses, division winners, playoff teams, and I presume a Super Bowl winner, correct? Yeah, this is something that I like to do every year when the schedule releases. You know, it came out uh, just a couple weeks ago. So I found this website where, uh, you know, once the schedule is out, you can go through and pick every single game of the NFL season. So I like to do it, uh, just, you know, do it right when it comes out and not really think about it a whole lot. Just kind of go through and pick all 256 games uh, just based on, you know, what what I'm thinking at the time. And a lot of times, you know, I'll end up with some teams that maybe I didn't think would be as good with a pretty good record or vice versa, you know, some teams that I thought would be in the playoff hunt and then they end up, you know, only getting five or six wins. So I'm going to preface this with saying that, uh, these aren't, you know, my for sure predictions. I do this again, you know, come training camp and like right before the season. Uh, but as far as just my first impression of the season, this is what I've got. So you can uh, you can tell me where you want to start, AFC, NFC division, and I'll break down what I got here. Sounds good. Talking with Billy Prickett, one of our under puppies, half of the Billies. We talked to the other one yesterday. That was Billy the Kidless. And you're still kidless as well, correct? Yes, I am. So Billy the Kidless is, or Kidless East, however you pluralize that. Let's start in the NFC West. So that's that's where the Niners reside. They pummeled my Packers in the title game and then lost in the Super Bowl. They had a two-game division win over the Seahawks. The Rams fell back to 9-7. and seven. Cardinals bringing up the rear at 5-10-1. The Niners drafted a guy that was tied to the Packers with Brandon Ayuk, who I thought is going to be quite possibly an impact rookie wide receiver. And it seems to me I've heard the Packers didn't draft a wideout. Anywho, the Niners got better at that spot. Is this division chalk? Niners, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals? Or is it going to be shaken up a little bit? Well, you know, you look at this division, and it's definitely one of the strongest in football. I could see any of these four teams making the playoffs. And really, uh, with the new rules, it's possible that all four teams can make the playoffs in one division. Obviously, a lot would have to swing their way, but... Uh, it's a really strong division, top to bottom. Obviously, the Niners were had a great season last year. Uh, a lot of a lot of people, even me, kind of speculated that maybe they could see a drop off like the Rams did uh, from the year prior. You know, they they had were nine and seventeen last year after going to the Super Bowl. They missed the playoffs, but I, I like their draft. Uh, like you were saying, Brandon Ayuk, a great pick. Javon Kinlaw at thirteen was great. That just bolsters that defensive front even more. So yeah, I have them at twelve and four. Uh, winning that division with Seattle right behind them once again at 12 and four as well. I like, you know, Russell Wilson, arguably the best player in the NFL. I think him and Mahomes go hand in hand right there. And they're, they're going to be a team that's going to win a lot of games every year and make it to the playoffs. I just don't know if they quite have the firepower to make a deep run in the playoffs. Uh, so yes, I do have it going chalk from there. Rams, uh, missing the playoffs once again at eight and eight. They're a team that can definitely rebound. I don't think Jared Goff. Uh, it is quite good enough though to, to carry that team. They got a lot of cap issues too. And then the Cardinals, I got them at seven and nine. I, I would have liked to see a few more wins for them there because I really do like what the Cardinals have done adding DeAndre Hopkins. I think Kyler Murray is a, is a dark horse MVP candidate. We've seen a lot of, you know, athletic quarterbacks take that next step in the second year, like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes did. So I think he could do a lot. Cliff Kingsbury running that offense. Uh, I would not surprise me to see the Arizona Cardinals come out of this division with a winning record. But as far as what I picked here, uh, they got seven and nine. Kind of curious about the Rams. So Jared Goff comes out after college, and he was okay, not worthy of where he was drafted at first. Then Sean McVay comes in, and the Rams go to a Super Bowl. Then everybody's snapping up McVay assistants, trying to find the McVay coaching tree, which is a sapling at this point. And then Goff kind of regresses. The Rams regress. People figured them out. They dropped to nine and seven. 
And, of course, they give Goff a massive contract after one good year. So the Rams, was it fool's gold to get to the Super Bowl? Are there definite problems with this team? I think there are, and, and I think it really comes from ownership and the GM and just not being able to handle the cap. They were paying all these guys on one-year deals a ton of money just to load up uh, for you know specific seasons, and now it's coming back to bite them. They're going to be in cap hell here for a while, and you know when Jared Goff is making a ton of money at the most important position in football, and you lose Todd Gurley, and you know you, you got some wide receivers around him, but you don't have a good running back. Your defense has a lot of uh, a lot of good players, but there's a lot of holes there too, and a lot of characters on that defense as well. Jalen Ramsey uh, comes to mind, obviously. So you know you you don't know if that's going to mesh well in the locker room. Uh, like I said, you know they're they're talented enough to to have a winning season. Uh, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to in such a tough division. Over to the NFC North, where yesterday the other Billy, the under-under puppy, called the Packers frauds. I-, I called them fortunate. They won a lot of close games. Were they a dominant 13-3? and Of course not. And I went through like half my blood pressure pills throughout the NFL season to prove it. But they did have a three-game lead on the Vikings when all was said and done. Going to the NFC title game, the Bears finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Lions way back at three twelve and one. I'm sure Lions fans would love to have Bobby Ross's eight and eight and nine and seven days back. So the Packers, the most, uh, I guess, the biggest punching bag in the offseason. They took a quarterback, didn't take a wide receiver, didn't really address the defensive line. Vikings lost some players as well. So last year it was Pack Vikings Bears Lions chalk or shakeups here. Well, I mean, you're going to hate to hear it, but I got a shakeup here. I think the Vikings are going to win the division this year. Uh, the Packers won 13 games last year, and you have to be a good team to win 13 games without a doubt. But a lot of people had the opinion that they were one of the least impressive 13-3 and teams they had ever seen. There was a lot of smoke with that team. Um, and, you know, I, I just don't think Aaron Rodgers is the Aaron Rodgers still that we all know and love, especially when he doesn't have uh, the weapons surrounding him. You know, Devontae Adams is great, probably a top mm-hmm. five, top six receiver in the NFL. But when you look past that, you know, he doesn't have those weapons that he can kind of lean on. And I was actually listening to uh, The Herd before you guys came on, and he actually made an interesting point that Aaron Rodgers led the league in throwaways last year, but he had one of the, he held onto the ball for the longest out of those quarterbacks. So it's not like he doesn't have the time to throw and he's just throwing it away. It's that one, his receivers aren't really getting separation. And two, I don't think he's as willing to force the ball down the field as much. I think he's protecting his legacy a little bit because uh, he is known as, as the guy that, that doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, but, you know, he used to be known as the guy that makes all those splash plays. And I don't think we see that enough from him nowadays. Uh, so I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't think the Packers are, are going to win this division this year. I think, you know, luck is going to turn. Uh, aside from their favor, uh, after winning 13 games last year, I got the Vikings at 10 and six winning it. Uh, the, I don't, I wouldn't sleep on the Bears if they can figure out that quarterback situation. We've seen that they can be pretty good, but I got had them at seven and nine, and then the Lions at six and ten. I like Matthew Stafford, uh, but you know, other than that, that Lions team has a lot of holes, and Matt Patricia has not really proved himself as a head coach yet. Uh, but they're another team that you know could kind of surprise some people and maybe sneak up on some teams and win eight or nine games. We'll see, but six and ten for now. Okay, so who wins the quarterback battle in Chicago? You've got Trubisky, and they brought in Nick Foles. Kind of surprising. Nobody saw that coming. Maybe if Foles wears Eagles underwear with a little bit of blood on it, signifying injury, he can be a good quarterback. But who wins that battle? Well, the story with Nick Foles really is that he's never been um, – he has never excelled when he has been in the role of the starting quarterback. When when he knows going into the season that he is the franchise guy, he's – 
he's going to be the guy to start week one. It seems like he crumbles, but when he comes in off the bench and there's not as much pressure on him and he can kind of play, you know, play a little more loose, then we've seen what he can do. He won a freaking Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, but so if he comes into this season and, and, you know, Matt Nagy is like, look, you're the guy, I, I just can't trust it. You know, I can't trust it until, until he can prove me otherwise that he can come in as a starting quarterback and be a franchise guy for somebody. Uh, but, you know, I think the main positive here is that even if he isn't uh, the starting quarterback come week one, at least he gives Mitchell Trubisky, you know, light, maybe lights the fire under him a little bit. Because Mitchell Trubisky has the tools that we just have never seen him put it all together in one game. And maybe it's just because he's been kind of coasting. You know, Chase Daniel sat behind him for a while, and Chase Daniel ain't going to you know, budge anybody at a starting quarterback uh, spot. So, you know, Nick Bowles can do that. Maybe that gives us the best in Mitch Trubisky. We'll see. Over to the NFC East, where the Eagles won the division that nobody wanted at nine and seven. The Cowboys eight and eight. Giants four and twelve. Redskins way back at three and thirteen. Philadelphia has had injury issues, obviously at the quarterback spot. Won them a Super Bowl one year. Cowboys, the new home of the pink torpedo. The Giants looking for Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones to take the next step. Are we chalk here? This was a division again nobody wanted last year. Is anybody going to run away with this one? Is this finally the year that the Dallas Cowboys put their talent together? Well, this one was one of those divisions where I looked at after I did, you know, this exercise, and I was like, man, I really just saw that going a different way. Uh, right now, I have the Eagles winning the division at eleven and five, but I-, I like the Cowboys more than the Eagles this year. So, you know, that like I said, well, when I do this initial first impression, you know, predictions, I'll come out with with some things that I don't agree with, uh, and you know, that's probably going to flip come come season. I think the Cowboys will probably take this division. They have. Uh, a super strong roster, which doesn't mean that much as we have seen. You know, last year they had a strong roster too, but I think they have a better coach at the helm now. Um, and you know, Dak Prescott's good. Zeke is good. Amari Cooper's good. Their O line is solid as can be. And you know, as long as that defense can perform well, there's no reason that they shouldn't be a 12 win football team. Uh, and another surpriser here in this division, I think the Giants are going to win some games this year. I like what Daniel Jones did. You know, he fumbled the ball a lot, but if he can cut out those turnovers, uh, they're going to be a pretty good offense. And, you know, obviously Saquon Barkley is one of the best backs, if not the best back in the league. Uh, obviously, you know, their, their secondary could use some help. But I had them winning two games in this prediction. So I, I don't think that that's going to happen. They're going to they're gonna sneak up on some teams, just like I said about, you know, the Cardinals and the Lions. Certainly shouldn't be looked at as a playoff contender, but, you know, maybe seven wins is their ceiling. And then I got the Redskins at 2-14 and 14 as well. Mm. Uh, they'll, they'll probably win a couple more games than that, especially with Ron Rivera. You know, he, he's an excellent head coach. I don't, I don't see a reason why the Panthers should have fired him in the first place. Uh, so I think he can do some good th- things there, but it's definitely going to take, you know, a year or two to really get all of his guys in, and they have a lot of questions at the quarterback spot as well. If you want to protest something in Washington, nickname aside, it's it's Redskins football. I, I mean, that's just been awful. Daniel Snyder, owners that run teams, doesn't seem to work out all that well. Okay, off to the south before we get to the AFC. Your beloved Saints ran away with it last year, a six-game lead over the Falcons and Buccaneers and the Panthers. The big story in this division, obviously is the guy they call the GOAT, Tom Brady now residing in Tampa. Matt Ryan still in Atlanta. Drew Brees has another year at least in New Orleans. The Panthers feature Teddy Bridgewater. I'm looking forward to this division, Billy Prickett. 
Yeah, this has been a division that's been one of the better ones in fo- football for the past decade. Obviously, last year there was a big drop-off. Like you said, the Saints won uh, the division by six games. But I think every team has improved this offseason, and it's going to be back to its normal you know, competitive nature. Uh, you know, the prior two seasons before this one, they put five teams in the playoffs between those two seasons. So, obviously, you know, there, there's a lot of talent here. Probably the best quarterbacking um, in the entire NFL is in this division. You got Drew Brees on the Saints, Tom Brady on on the Buccaneers. Matt Ryan is a, a very, you know, capable quarterback, has won MVP before. And then, you know, obviously all of us here in Louisville know what Teddy Bridgewater can do. And then you look at the Saints' backup quarterbacks as well, and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of talent there. And obviously that's the most important position in football. Uh, so as far as my predictions go, I got the Saints winning. Uh, obviously, you know, I, I am a Saints fan, so you can call me out for bias or whatever, but I think everybody, um, for the most part, would have them labeled as the favorite in this division. I, I like that they've added Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, he should, you know, relieve some of that pressure off Michael Thomas to have to catch the ball 10 to 15 times a game and, and even open him up some more and draw some coverage away from him. So I think that offense just – got even more dangerous. Alvin Kamara will be back healthy this year, and the defense has been solid. Uh, I do have the Buccaneers taking a playoff spot at 11-5. and five. Now, 11 wins is, you know, I've been kind of skeptical of, of the Buccaneers, uh, but obviously they have a pretty favorable schedule if I had them at 11 wins. Uh, you know, they, they're they not playing like a first-place schedule like the Saints have to or, or the Packers have to or whatever, so they have a, an advantage there. And, you know, with Tom Brady there, uh, some really good weapons offensively. I, I think that defense is really what's going to hurt him, and I don't, I don't think Tom Brady can win shootouts anymore, even with all you know all that offensive firepower, and still a, a ton of questions across the mm-hmm. offensive line. So you know, a lot of a lot of people are are hyping this Buccaneers team up, just like they hyped up the Browns last year. I'm not comparing the two because obviously you have Tom Brady on here compared to Baker Mayfield uh, for the Browns. I think they will be a playoff team, but. I don't know. I think I would have thought nine or ten wins for them is more likely. And then I got the Falcons with six wins at six and ten. That one was one of those where I was like, eh, I think they could probably pull off a couple more wins. You know, they they finished really strong last year. They were zero and seven at one point and right. finished seven and nine. So you know that that's going seven and two in your last nine games. I mean, they're they're no slouch in this division. I think a lot of people will be sleeping on them. And then as far as the Panthers, I got them at four wins. I think they just have too much to shore up. Matt Rule, his first year in the NFL, and, and you know Joe Brady, obviously a great offense coordinator, but uh, you know I don't think Teddy Bridgewater and Christian McCaffrey and are going to be able to to carry this team in the first year. I think they got to get a couple more guys in there and uh, really shore up that defense. So you know four four wins may seem a little low. It's probably more like six wins, I would say. Who makes the NFC title game and who represents the conference in the Super Bowl? Yeah, so I got um, the the Saints meeting the Niners, the one and two seeds in the NFC, and everybody's like, "Oh, you went chalk, yeah." But you know, the playoffs typically go chalk in the NFL. You don't you don't typically see a lot of upsets. Um, so yes, I, I got the Saints and the Niners, and this time the Saints get the better of that. Once again, call me bias all you want. I, I think they have one of the one of the best teams in the NFL and one of their best rosters that they've ever had. And, you know, Drew Brees obviously going to go all out for what seems to be his last year. So got the Saints in the Super Bowl over the Niners in the NFC Championship game. Talking with Billy Prickett, one of our under puppies. He does a ton of stuff around here like everyone does. And before we get to the AFC North featuring Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, let me tell you about CookinReevesVans.com. So pretty soon you'll be able to travel again. Maybe one of these NFL games you want to take a road trip or two to see, perhaps down to Tampa to see Tom Brady. Rent a van. Don't worry about trying to get a bunch of people together on a plane and organizing and renting cars to get around. 
Get a nine-person van with a big screen TV and individual ports for video games or headphones. There's a bench in the back where you can take a nap. These things are awesome, and when you add the cost up per person in the van, is considerably cheaper than flying, and then you have a vehicle once you get down there. Just bring a DD with you so you can have a lot of fun, thanks to CookinReevesVans.com. They'll also get your mom or dad around if they're in a wheelchair. They have wheelchair transportation. They'll pick them up. You can't do it all the time. You've got kids and you've got work, and mom and dad still need some help. So Cook and Reeves would love to help. Even if they just want to go shopping for a couple of hours, go to CookinReevesVans.com. Off to the AFC North, where the Ravens ran away with it. Ben Roethlisberger nicked up, as always, and always dangerous if he's there. The Browns have a coaching change. Will Baker Mayfield take the next step? The Bengals have a new quarterback, minus the pink torpedo. It's Joe Burrow now. AFC North, step back for the Ravens or their division to lose again? Billy Prigget. Definitely the Ravens' division to lose. I mean, they were the most impressive team in football all the year, and then obviously had that hiccup, you know, the first round of the playoffs. But I got them at 14 wins. That seems a, maybe a little too high, especially since I think this division will be pretty competitive. It's, it's it's a pretty good division top to bottom, just like the NFC South and the NFC West that we've talked about. Uh, so 14 wins might be a little much, but I do think they'll be, you know, one of the top two spots in the AFC for sure and, and definitely going to win this division. And then I got the Steelers. I think a lot of people are are sleeping on the Steelers because of last year, you know, they had a quarterback carousel going on. Mason Rudolph getting hit with his own helmet. You know, Duck Hodges coming in and having a couple good games mm-hmm. here and there, but overall was was pretty inconsistent. And when you add Big Ben back to a to a team that almost, you know, snagged a wild card spot last year, you gotta expect them to take one of those wild card spots this year, especially since there's now three in each conference. So I got them at nine and seven in second place here, and the sixth seed overall in the AFC. Uh, the Browns are going to be another, you know, interesting team to watch. A lot, of, a lot of people had them hyped up as the favorite in this division last year. I didn't buy into the hype, uh, you know, the, the same way I'm not totally buying into the Buccaneers hype. You know, I don't, a first-year head coach, Baker Mayfield, was still very inconsistent last year. I mean, they have the talent, but talent doesn't always win, win games in the NFL. You got to have more than talent. You got to have the coaching, got to have the ownership, got to have the culture. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think the Browns have that. And I'll continue to believe that until they show me otherwise. I got them finishing eight and eight here, third in the AFC. And then I got the Bengals uh, winning five games this year. And I think that would be a, a pretty good season for them and Joe Burrow's first year. Uh, you know, I think they're pretty good offensively. They got, they got a lot of good weapons with AJ Green and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. Uh, you know, obviously that offensive line has been the death of them in recent years and same with the defense, but they did some good stuff in the draft for that defense. So I think they're going to be one of those pesky teams that, you know, is competitive in every game and maybe squeaks out a couple interesting wins here and there. And these COVID uh, protest topics online, you'll see who's going to take a step back in the National Football League that rocked it last year. And Lamar Jackson tends to make these lists. Why not? He set all kinds of records. And people think, well, you know, give NFL defensive coordinators a year to figure this guy out, and they'll put something together. Do you think Lamar is going to take a step back, kind of hold steady, or, God forbid, take another step forward? I think in the NFL, you're always going to see that regression to the mean. Obviously, you know, Lamar had a huge season last year, unlike anyone that we have ever seen in the NFL. Honestly, I mean, you know, broke the the yards record for rushing yards uh, as a quarterback in a single season. So I think any time, you know, in the NFL, there's so much parity 
and you got, you know, defense coordinators watching this guy like a hawk over the offseason and trying to figure out how they can stop him, you're going to see that regression to the mean. There's, there's no way that he's going to be able to match or go above the numbers that he had last year. But that's not saying that he couldn't have another MVP caliber season. I mean, we saw it with Patrick Mahomes, you know, through 50 touchdowns his first year as a starter, one MVP. Uh, then, you know, he got hurt last year, of course, but he, he still had, had a great season. Uh, it, it wasn't up to the caliber of the one before, but, you know, if you ask me if he didn't get hurt, he was right there in the MVP talks as well. So, you know, you don't always have to match or go above these these lofty expectations that people put on you to, to have a great season still. So Lamar's still, you know, going to light it up in the NFL, and the Ravens are going to be a really good football team. Previewing the NFL with under puppy Billy Prickett, who's run the season, not 50,000 times like the computers, but very thoughtfully one time, having a little fun before we get into more serious stuff in this non-sports sports show. Got to cover a little something. Okay, over in the AFC West, that's where our Super Bowl champions reside, the Chiefs. The Broncos and Raiders behind last year at 7-9. and nine. Chiefs were 12-4. and four. Bringing up the rear, the Chargers at 5-11. and 11. Have the Broncos settled on a quarterback? Will Chucky get over the hump? And can the Chiefs repeat? AFC West, go Billy Prickett. Yeah, in my opinion, this is the most intriguing division in, in the entire NFL. Not because I think anyone can contend with the Chiefs for the top for the top spot, but the other three teams in the division are, are really solid football teams. And I've been banging the, the Denver Broncos drum all offseason. I think they've they've got a really good team there. The defense under Vic Bangio is one of the best in the NFL. And, you know, we saw Drew Locke come in and be really good as a starter, win some games for him. They got great weapons now with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. They signed Melvin Gordon in the offseason to go along with Philip Lindsay, one of the best one-two punches in the league right there. So there's no reason that this team should not have a winning record. And I got them taking one of the wild card spots. I got the Chiefs at 13 and three, obviously winning the division. And then, uh, the Broncos coming in second at nine and seven taking the last wild card spot in the AFC. Now, th- this was another team uh, that surprised me when I looked back on it that said they should have some more wins, uh, and that's that's the Raiders. I have them in last of this division with four wins. There's no way that the Raiders are only going to win four football games last year, and that's why this exercise is, is so interesting because it's you know just initial first impression. Don't really think about it. Just go with my gut feeling on all these games and see what happens. Uh, but, but, you know, the Raiders, while they not might, you know, contend for a playoff spot, I think they're going to be a pretty pretty good football team. Seven and nine seems more likely. And then, you know, I got the the Chargers at eight and eight. Uh, I'd be surprised to see Justin Herbert start week one. I think we're going to see Tyrod Taylor for a while. Uh, but I like Justin Herbert, and I want to see what he can do this year. I think it'll be more like halfway through the season. And uh, really, they should they should take a big step forward next season compared to this one with you know so little experience at quarterback. Over to the AFC East, where maybe Tyrod Taylor's old team, the Buffalo Bills, for the first time in a really long time, it was always a battle for second behind the Patriots in the AFC East. But Tom Brady's now in Tampa. Jarrett Stidham is now the starter in New England for now. And the Jets and Dolphins were at the bottom of the division last year. Is this Buffalo's year? What do you know about Jarrett Stidham? And you've got Tom Brady eager to prove that it's not Bill Belichick, it's him. Bill Belichick eager to prove that no matter what quarterback I plug in, Matt Castle, whoever it is, I'm going to win the division. How does the AFC East shake out? 
I'm not as high on the Buffalo Bills as a lot of people are. I mean, obviously, they, they have a really good football team. They, they won 11 games last year. I think a little bit of it was maybe some smoke and mirrors here and there, you know, pulled out some close games that they probably shouldn't have won. But uh, And I don't really trust Josh Allen all that much. Now, I could be totally wrong about that. A lot of people have him as a dark horse MVP candidate, but I just haven't seen enough from him yet, obviously. He's super athletic, has a big arm, but he makes a lot of mistakes, too, and I think that could come back to bite them. However, I do still have them winning this division, uh, but only winning nine games and winning the division based on, you know, these first predictions that I did. Got them at nine and seven, uh, taking the four spot overall in the AFC. And then the Patriots right behind the man sitting at eight and eight. A lot of people sleeping on the Patriots, and I don't get it. They have the best coach of all time. They have the best, uh, one of the best defenses in the league. Obviously, Jared Stidham is, uh, unproven. I don't think anybody can really say, you know, what they think about Jared Stidham. We haven't seen him play. I think he saw action in maybe one game last year, and I think it was a pick six, honestly. So, uh, but you know, Bill Belichick's obviously going to have him ready. I, I, it's one of those situations where you have to trust Bill Belichick the same way you have to trust, you know, a Sean Payton if he decided to go with Taysom Hill next year as his starter. So, you know, with the, the tools around him, I think Jared Stidham has the capability to succeed on in this system, as we've seen before with, like you said, Matt Castle winning 11 games for this team. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Patriots won this division. However, for right now, eight and eight in the second spot, and I got the Jets at seven and nine. I think they're going to be a pretty good football team and 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 compete in a lot of games, but just not quite there that there yet to be a playoff team. And then the Dolphins at five and eleven, the same situation as the Bengals. I think they did a lot of good things this off season. New quarterback there. Who knows if we'll actually see uh, to a play? But even if he doesn't, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a fine option at quarterback. Uh, so they'll be they'll be one of those pesky teams that can pull out a win here and there. And, uh, five wins for them would be would be a good season. Ideally, I think for the Dolphins, you get two a healthy. We're not sure about his health yet. Teams are kind of because of COVID, they couldn't examine him like they would have liked before the draft. But Fitzpatrick is one of those guys, the lumberjack, that after about seven or eight games, you think, why isn't this guy a hundred million dollar quarterback? Because he looks really, really good. Well, because the season's sixteen games, not eight. Something tends to happen to him in the second half. So if they can get two already somewhere along the way, when the Fitz magic fizzles out, they might have something. Yeah, very true. I mean, yeah, like you said, Fitzpatrick always shows up. That it seems like those first, you know, four to eight weeks, and then something, something happens, and he doesn't play well. Honestly, he might be just a genius where he's like, I'm going to play really well and get my money and be a, a excellent backup quarterback for whoever wants to pay me. But I'm not willing to be a starter in this league and risk my health and my career and my money and my family and all that. Right. So you know, he just shows up really good those first four weeks, makes his money, and gets the heck out of there. Okay, the AFC South, I have no idea what to think here. You had the mysterious DeAndre Hopkins trade. You still have Deshaun Watkins, a quarterback, but minus a huge weapon. Texans squeaked out the division. Titans got hot. And Tannehill, is he the real deal? He wasn't in Miami. He was good sometimes, sometimes not. And then you have the Colts now with Phillip Rivers and the Jaguars, and there's the Jaguars. So the first three teams anyway, how does this one go? The Texans took it by a game. The Colts were 7-9, and nine, Jags 6-10 and 10 out of the AFC South. How does that shake out? Well, a lot of locals listening to this right now, I'm sure, are Indianapolis Colts fans. They're one of our local teams. I would say them and you know the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so I actually have them winning this division. I'm I'm high mm. on the Colts, and I was high on them last year until Andrew Luck, uh, you know, you know, retired out of nowhere. I actually had them as you know representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. 
I think they're a really good team. Their defense is up there as some of the one of the best in the league. Um, their their offense has the weapons there to be able to compete. And Philip Rivers, you know, when when he has the tools around him, we have seen him succeed. Now that's the biggest question mark, though. Are we going to see the Philip Rivers last year, where he was flinging the ball over the place, trying to make too much happen and turning the ball over uh, as a result, or are we going to see? The calm, cool, collected Philip Rivers down by eight in the fourth quarter, leading his team on a game-winning drive to tie the game. You know, we've seen the best of both from, from Philip. Right, so right. It really depends on on which one we get uh, from him this year. But I got them going eleven and five, winning winning the division. I think uh, many people are sleeping on them because of last year, but don't sleep on them when they got a, a veteran. You know, maybe a. Uh, a future Hall of Fame quarterback with Philip Rivers. And then I got the Titans snagging a wild card spot, finishing nine and seven. It, the Titans are a team where it, it's never seems like they're going to be, you know, like an 11 or 12 win football team, but they're always going to be just a really solid group. And I, and you know, they got Derrick Henry in the backfield, which in my opinion, he's easily a top five running back in the league. Uh, probably the best overall runner in the NFL. And I've always been a believer in Ryan Tannehill, even when he was in Miami, Obviously, you know, a lot of what we saw in Miami, a lot of the bad that we saw at least, was because that team was in shambles. That There was not enough around him for him to be able to do what he can do. Uh, and, you know, when you put him on a team like the Titans, who have a great run game and some pretty solid young receivers, and obviously the defense is always solid, uh, you know, he's going to do some good things for you. And then I got the Texans, who have had a bad offseason at five wins. There's no way that Sean Watson's only going to win five games, though. It's one of those teams where I'm like, what what happened there? You know, got to go back and look at it and see where I had him losing. Uh, it's just a situation like, like Russell Wilson in Seattle. There's just no way that Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson or a Lamar Jackson or, uh, you know, those types of quarterbacks that are just really athletic and can make big plays, you know, in the biggest parts of the game. There's just no way that he's only going to win five games, but I don't have them making the playoffs. I'd say maybe eight wins is All their right. ceiling. And then the Jaguars, um, I think they're going to have the first pick in the NFL All right. next year. I'm not a big Gardner Minshew guy. Um, I, I think he did some good things last year, but going to take a big step back this year. Yep, Philip Rivers ironically spent most of his career in perfect weather. Now he goes to no weather. Uh, Got to wrap things up pretty quick. So the AFC, who's in the title game, who goes to the Super Bowl, who wins it all? Billy Prickett. Got the Ravens over the Chiefs in the AFC title game. And then so we got the Saints and the Ravens. That'll be a fun game to watch if that's what we get. Got the Saints. Winning it all, Drew Brees riding <laughs> off the sunset with two rings on his finger. I'm glad you could pick your team. Thank you, Billy. Appreciate your time. All right, man. I'll see you. And if you get time, head to Lots of Pasta on the way home tonight. Go to the website, lotsofpastalouisville.com. Pick out one of the entrees that they have, family-sized entrees. You just heat them up. Five different kinds of lasagnas. There's those sausages with the peppers, meatballs. You can make hoagies with their bread, chicken tetrazzini. There's so many of them. They have them all. They still have the deli meat and the cheeses, some of their salads. Just call ahead, 896-6361. They'll bring it out to you. Just give them a little bit of time. Don't call from the parking lot. They've been in the heart of St. Matthews for going on four decades. We love, love, love our friends at Lots of Pasta, John and Q and I, Carly over there. Say hello. Tell them the underdogs sent you. Get a little more serious. We'll get Dwight in here, as we always do as well, and cover the news of the day. Keep you up to speed right here. It's the afternoon underdogs. Dave Jennings in for Vanetti. Actually, I'm just in without him. He's back next week. 790 KRD. Dwight and Dave Jennings as Tony is on a vacation. As we cruise through this week, the best that we can. 
every time I turn on the news, it just makes my head want to explode, including, including this morning. Uh, most of the reports that I'm seeing on television are saying, oh, it was a peaceful night. And thank God for that. That's what they're saying. It was a peaceful night, no looting. Um, that's not the case. There, there, there was looting, and I'll call it looting. Um, I spoke with a store this morning, early this morning, that's been looted mm-hmm. two times in a row, two nights in a row. And I, I want to just tell the story of this uh, company real quick. It, it, and I, I, you know, all transparency, I endorse them because I, I'm fortunate enough to endorse companies that I love, and I love these guys. Well, <clears throat> up in smoke started. It wasn't. There's a couple of politicians that had rich families that have rich businesses and you know made little little babies rich. This is not the case. This was a couple of guys that started out at a swap meet and worked their tail off and grew and got one organization, one business, and grew it to be six businesses. Well, they've given back tirelessly, unselfishly, and they've done it anonymously. And here's what I mean. They've contacted me on, you know, I... I Every time I see someone in trouble or someone in need, I try to help them out. You can't always do it. But sometimes I'll throw up a red flag and say, can somebody help me on this? This family needs this. These people need this. this. These kids need this. Every single time I've done that, the owner of Up and Smoke, he's contacted me and said, how can I help? And he's helped financially. Just a few months ago, just a few months ago, there were some special needs children. They didn't have a safe place to play, a safe place of their own where it was just them and no other kids would come in and pick on them. They would be safe from traffic, and they didn't want much at all, man. But what they did want, it it wasn't free. They weren't requesting for, you know, Kentucky Kingdom, but what they did want is a playground uh, some picnic tables, just a place to call their own where they could go and be kids in the sunshine, and be safe. I made a post about it, and sure enough, just like always, Chad and Up and Smoke contacted me. And he said, how much is it? I said, well, here's the cost, if you can give this much. And he said, no, come by. I'm paying for the whole thing. Be done with it. Let them know they're getting their place. And I said, come on the show. I want to thank you for that. And he said, uh, no, 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 no. So I got the check, and now the kids do have that place to play. And I say all that to say this. They have given tirelessly back to their community, like I believe all businesses should. And this is one of the businesses that has been looted two nights in a row. So what you've effectively done, you didn't bite the hand that feeds you. You chopped it off. You stabbed it with a gigantic knife. These, these guys and gals didn't do anything to you. And I can understand... I could understand, I wouldn't condone it, but I could understand if a business had wronged people in, in a certain way, that you would target that business. But to target innocent families' businesses, that makes you a vandal and it makes you a thief, point blank. You're not a warrior for social justice. And I said this earlier, and I'll say it now again. I back the protesters, and I firmly believe in my heart that social change needs to be, it needs to happen immediately. It won't happen immediately, but at least maybe we've started dialogue. But every time that someone that is not on board with effective change, and they're not, if they're going out and vandalizing and stealing, they're not on board. They're not with the cause. They're against the cause, and they're hurting the cause, in my opinion. 
So, Dave, sorry about that. As, no. Le- as Lemmy starts to bark, my wife must be coming down the stairs. So I'm, I'm, I want to give you permission, Dwight, to, to call me a criminal or a looter. I'm going to give you a scenario, okay? L- let's say that I was out last night in the Highlands with the peaceful protesters or anywhere else in the city where this is happening, and I'm, I'm walking down the street with everyone. I've got my fist up, and I'm yelling things. I might even be swearing. I might even, I don't know, even be flipping people off, except the dog. The dog scares me a little. I'm not going to do anything to him. But I'm just walking along. I am protesting now. I am walking down the middle of the street. Yes, I'm blocking traffic, but I'm protesting. I'm doing what's right uh, in my mind. Now, as I walk along, I happen to see to my right, oh, there's an open door. Somebody's house is open. I decide, well, they left it unlocked. Or someone else already broke in. I walk in, and I grab a wallet and a sound bar, and I get back in line. I went from being a protester to being a criminal. Right. And a looter. Right. If I do that, you are free to call me a looter. I give you permission, without me saying that you're wrong or racist, to call me a looter if I steal something. I, I, I just, listen, I don't understand where racism comes in with someone stealing something. And I don't understand. I, I don't know the race of the looters. I, I don't I, either. I don't, I, I'm not watching I, video of looting. I just hear that there's looting going on. I don't know what the people look like. If you're taking things, you are stealing. <laughs> right. I, it, it, okay, and here's why we're on this. Uh, let me jump ahead. This is the audio. I was, I was going to play this. I was going to play it in, um, let's see, one, two. I'm, I'm trying to find. I'm just going to jump straight to the audio clip. To let everyone know what we're talking about. This is uh, Angie Bashir talking about um, what transpired and if there was looting. Um, what we are seeing right now uh, has been a, a very peaceful um, set of demonstrations uh, with, with you know, some uh, criminal activity in the looting that, that wasn't connected. Okay, I'm going to stop it right there. Now, notice he said uh, it's been mostly peaceful protesting. It has. There's been a lot of peaceful protesting. And I, I applaud you. And, again, I'm behind you. I'm behind the cause 110%. I am. But he says the word looting. Okay? He said, because by definition, and I meant to look it up, uh, Webster's definition of looting, and I wasn't able to. I will at, at, at the break. But I want to know what the definition of looting is. Because if tearing into a Kroger store and clearing out every single shelf – and by the way, I've seen the video. If you haven't seen the video, I challenge you to go on a news site and find it because it's not one person, it's not two persons. It's a bunch of people going into this Kroger store and clearing it out. I have the definition for you. Okay, what is the definition of looting, Dave Jennings? There, it's a noun, Dwight, and it's also a verb. Okay. So it's one of those multi-purpose words when you were allowed to use it. Okay, loot as a noun, goods, especially private property, Taken from an enemy in war. Hmm. As a verb, steal goods from a place, typically during a war or riot. Okay. That is the word loot. Well, Formerly in the English Dictionary or Oxford English Dictionary, now removed because it's racist. Okay, so I think that you and I agree on what looting is and it's stealing. The governor, he has a different definition. So let's, anyway, that's why I stopped. He says looting at first. And then he decides, wait a minute, that's a, that's not what I meant. Let's move back and go ahead and go from where we were at. Uh, to any of that. Hang on. You know, some uh, criminal activity in the looting that, that wasn't connected. 
uh, to any of that. And so I know, you know I, I guess it's, I guess it's, it was called looting last night from the Kroger's. That was somebody breaking in and stealing stuff. Okay. It was called looting. That's what they called it. They, they called it. I didn't call it looting. That's what they called it. I accidentally said looting. It wasn't looting. Then he goes on to say, what, what did he say? Did he say a person or someone broke into Kroger? Someone. He, he almost makes it sound like it's one individual. Here we go. Let's go from right here. Called looting last night from the Kroger's. That was somebody breaking in and stealing. It was somebody breaking in and stealing something. Hmm, somebody that, did. That's what the dictionary said, I thought. But he said somebody as in an, an individual. Well, that person then is a looter and a criminal. But it wasn't one person. If you look at it, it was tons and tons of people pouring in and out. It looked like an anthill coming out of, you know, just people grabbing stuff and running in and out, men, women, children, whatever. And he can't even admit that the Kroger store was broken into and looted by many. He has to say, well, one person, somebody, somebody broke into Kroger. Here we go. All looting last night from the Kroger. That was somebody breaking in and stealing stuff. I don't believe that that was connected in any way to any demonstration. So I'm, I'm you know, I, I know. You don't? Did you hear what he said there? I don't believe that was connected any way to any demonstration. Mr. McAtee was shot at 26th and Broadway. Do you want to? Do you want to know where the uh, undocumented shoppers took place? You, you know where? This is where I don't want to call it looting. I want to say some people may or may not have borrowed some things from the Kroger store. They just borrowed some things from the Kroger store, and it's, it's not looting. Do you know where that took place, Dave? Oh, right down there by the shooting, Dwight. Twenty sixth and Broadway, the exact same location. Here he is. I don't believe that that was connected in any way. Any demonstration. So I'm, I'm, you know, I I know I've heard the word looting. Right now, that's associated with these demonstrations. I don't think that's fair. Uh, I don't think that's that's accurate. But my hope is that we'll be able to fully um, reduce the the guards' presence um, in the very, very near future. It's 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 not fair. I bet the businesses that are getting looted, they welcome the guards' presence. My goodness. My goodness. My goodness. Gee Willikers. My goodness. My goodness. Boy, I can't see straight. It's not being very neighborly, Ned Flanders. My goodness. There are, Dwight, there are the overwhelming majority of people are are doing the right thing and they're protesting the right way. There are bad people that embed themselves to take advantage of situations. Not all protesters are looters. In fact, most of them are not. Right. The overwhelming majority of them are not. But there is a criminal element and looting that is happening under the guise of of these protests. They are taking advantage of the situation and police being stretched thin to commit criminal activity. My goodness. Let me end on a good note. Can I end on a good note? Yay. I do want to say, I want to applaud the the majority of the protesters from last night. Because what I saw when I woke up, it did inspire me. I saw men, women, and children going up to guardsmen, Guards women, policemen, police women, fist bumping them, even hugging them. The hugging has continued. I've seen dialogue. I've seen marching along with the protesters. Okay? I've seen LMPD taking knees with the protesters. I've seen them arm in arm. And I applaud you. And I applaud the LMPD, the guardsmen that are doing it with it and participating. The change is needed. And it's needed desperately. And it's not just in Louisville, Kentucky. It's nationwide. We need change. But going in 
If you're going in and looting, I've got this to say to you, and that's it. My goodness. My goodness. What are you doing? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.